Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry. I am joined by two guys who... I, I'm glad they don't go away. I'm glad they're always like, omnipresent, always around. Max and Terry. Guys, after, after a long international break, which is always like... Well, let's be honest, it's just sort of the worst shit ever, every time... Uh, <laughs> just to be frank, uh, yeah, we're back. Had a little, had a little break there. You know, I, I ran a 5K with the family, got a new personal best, feeling good about life, and uh, yeah, I, I'm ready to, ready to come back and and hang out with my guys here. Um, gentlemen, yeah, thanks. It was. Uh-huh. It was, uh, I wore, you'll notice, the people who are watching via video, you'll notice my Chang uh, jersey that normally, my shirt that normally hangs back there is not there, because I wore it on Saturday. I wore it during the run. Uh, and unfortunately, I had to cover up the Chang part with my number, you know, but uh, yeah, my thing now is I wear an Everton jersey during, Everton shirt during every 5K I run, even if it's not before a derby. You know, I just, uh, it's... If it, I don't know. I think it's a good luck thing. Just makes me feel feel happy inside. Um, now, if I can only get my whole family doing that, that's that's the trick. Um, so we've had a long break. We've been instructed, or it's been recommended to us for us to discuss films that we've seen recently to open up the pod today. Um, but. Podmaster John, I, I've got to be honest, we've been talking off camera about the stuff we've seen, and it's really downer-type material. Not very PG. <laughs> it's not very PG. No. It's, it's very, uh, let's see, I, I, I've watched The Square, which is about, uh, you know, Egyptian revolution, which is, it's really hard-hitting, and there's some really graphic images in it, and it... It, it kind of hurts, and I don't know if that's the way to start a pod. And Terry has been watching documentaries as well, right? Uh, and, and his are not exactly, hey, let's go talk to the kids. Uh, <laughs> and, and and Max is as well. It's just, you know, it's just not a lot of positive stuff. So we thought maybe we'll do a gentle discussion of the international break and try to avoid some of the negativity that stemmed from the international break, because we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Um, gents, what international uh, games do we watch during this break that maybe did not make us hate ourselves? Uh, what, do we, what do we check out? Which, which matches? Um, England. I, I watched the England game, and I, it began. I thought I was going to be uh, hating it because... Michael Keane got nutmegged by uh, some Montenegrin farmer and was at fault for the goal, but then he made up for it pretty quickly with his first international goal. So uh, well done, Michael Keane. Nice. Yeah. I did not get to see that one. So, yeah. I mean, what are the, is it Michael Keane the highlight, mainly? Well, from an Everton perspective, yeah. I mean, um, it was... England in across the two international uh, games looked pretty impressive, to be fair. But um, 
the the second one had a little bit of a, an early scare. The game was marred a little bit by you know crowds. You know, oh hell, stuff like that. Yeah, I read about was, that. It, it was not great, but um, but yeah, I mean England at the minute look look pretty good. They look better than they've they've done for a long time. And as we've touched on in previous like uh, previous videos, I'm not really the biggest England fan. I don't I think a lot of Everton fans aren't really that into the international football right. scene, but. I a, a little a kids the little kids in me can't help but be happy when Everton players do well in international duty, especially yeah. England's. Like even though every time they come around, we seem to get injuries, which, as you say, we will go there. Um, we'll get there soon. <laughs> I, I like it when when you see on the international games that the Everton players are give a good account of themselves. Like I like I like that. It makes me happy. I agree. I have the same. Usually I, I make a, a sweep of all the, the Everton players that are doing international, playing internationally and see how they played. Uh, Max, did you watch the uh, England matches as well? I did-ish. Like, Ish. As, I'm on the same lines as Terry, is that like, me England, you can only make me England fan come out once every four years and like, it's a push getting me to support them during an international break. Um, I'm just trying to recall who Turkey were playing against because I'm, I'm buzzing for Cenk Tosin. Getting a getting a brace on international duty. However, the game that I was more immersed in was Netherlands against Germany. Ooh. I was one yellow card away from a hundred and fifty to one bet coming in. I had Memphis Depay and Leroy Sane to score, Daly Blind and Antonio Rudiger to get yellow carded. Every one of them, but Antonio Rudiger getting yellow carded coming. So I just had to like, ah, oh, I had to smile through the pain, and it's probably half the reason why I didn't watch much international football. <laughs> <laughs> that's see, that's the one of the ones I wanted out of everything to watch, and I didn't get to see that one either. They have this, they have some new, uh, new ways of broadcasting international football now, and it's like ESPN has the rights to a bunch of them, and they put them on ESPN Plus, which is behind a paywall. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. yeah, it's really agitating. So, I don't know, man. I, I'm agitated with the way they do international football. I'm uh, internet, uh, agitated with the way they do Champions League because uh, TNT has acquired Champions League, and so now you have to do another payroll to, paywall to watch all the Champions League matches, which is Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report you know, does all those matches now, and so it's a total – I don't know. I, I'm sick of the paywalls. I'm just sick of it. I think it's it's shitty. Yeah. yeah. It's shitty. Uh, um, USA game at least. Though. Yes, I got to watch US Ecuador. Our new manager is fascinating, guys, and I kind of want you guys to watch some some of us sometimes so we can talk about it because he plays a bizarre system that I I actually haven't I don't have a lot of experience with this, but what he likes to do, he. His formation looks fairly normal, you know, with four in the back. However, his right back, he had Tyler Adams playing right back. And if you know anything about Tyler Adams, he is a center midfielder for RB Leipzig. Okay, he came from New York Red Bulls, went to RB Leipzig, and he starts for them, and he's done well. He is a bright and shining hope for U.S. US soccer right now, okay? But he's, he lined him up at right back. Because the way Burhalter uses a right back is the right back ends up more in the center midfield more than anything. He pushes so far center and forward that 
everything becomes really lopsided. And the left back in that formation is really just another center back. It's really strange the way he uses players. It's different. That's and, interesting. Yeah, the, and he forces the, other teams to like rearrange their game plan for this formation specifically. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was reading something from Pep Guardiola the other day, and I'm sure he, I, I know he did it earlier on when he first came to City, but he said he treated the wing back rather than you know, uh, you know, purely as a wing back, more as, a, as an inverted midfielder. Mm-hmm. So the way they kind of drop into the midfield, so that yeah. maybe that's a new trend that's going to start, you know, slowly creeping into international game, not just international game, but we might start seeing it more, you know, at club mm-hmm. level. Yeah, it sounds, was. Yeah, I've, I've we've seen a lot of um, you know the defensive midfielder slotting back to become a third centre back, which pushes the fullbacks right up. But to have like just one of them do it and and come central, it's. I definitely am going to have to watch it in a USA game now to see what that's all about because it it's, it's 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 strange and it it ends up being sort of a lop, lopsided formation, and it encourages the other team to kind of attack one specific area. But again, they're having to redo they're having to redo their entire like match plan around and make it very different than any other plan for any other squad. It's strange, man, and I'm still trying to and I don't know if I'm I'm probably not doing the best job of explaining it because I just don't haven't had a lot of experience watching this formation and watching this squad, but I think I like it. I think it's interesting. I think I like it so far. I mean, US against Ecuador had the majority of the opportunities. Um, Ecuador had very few, um, and Ecuador was having to play very direct. And uh, I think the uh, U.S. maybe allowed one shot on goal. Uh, Ecuador, sorry, go ahead. Did the Jedi play Anthony Robertson? No, he did not. He was actually with the U23s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he hasn't really gotten any time under this manager yet. And I'm not sure because he plays left back. And like I told you... Uh, his type of player would play more as a left midfielder in this Burhalter formation. Yeah. Which is, it's really strange. Yedlin was playing a lot as a right mid, a winger, rather than a right back when he came in. It was, I'm still trying to work it out. Uh, there's some really brilliant podcasts out there that break this down very well. Total Soccer Show does it really well. Scuffed does it. There's really, they, they break down Burhalter's whole philosophy. Um, I, I usually just study Everton, so <laughs> I'm still I'm still uh, new. But uh, it's I think it's interesting for any football fan to check to check out how he's setting up the team. It's pretty fascinating. He's using a lot of youth. Um, downside of U.S. game, I think Weston McKinney in one of the games came off with a ruptured ankle tendon of some sort, of some kind, uh, and he plays for Schalke, and he plays usually plays like five different positions for Schalke every yeah. week. So yeah. um, he's a fantastic young player. I uh, hope he gets through. Uh, but there's, there's some hope for U.S. now to where we're not awful to watch. So now I can say, hey, guys, it's okay to watch them now. And they won't, it won't be a situation where you still see them when you close your eyes. You know what I mean? It's like the sun. <laughs> so anyway, uh, international break football, uh, some good and some bad. We're about to get into the bad. Um, with some injuries, so we'll talk about that. Max reminded me about it off. off. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. gonna get into it, but he reminded me about it. I was like, "Oh, I can't talk about that in the beginning. It'd be the worst downer." But we gotta get to it. Um, 
Anyway, really quick summary for the the, the, the the kind folks listening, not viewing this, who are, who are on, 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 a, on a podcast format. Uh, we're going to start with our West Ham preview. Um, uh, in the coming days, Everton will enter the void of, of, of the West Ham home stadium where sound goes to die. Uh, so we'll... We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, maybe a track meet will break out. We'll see. Um, but anyway, we're gonna give a little. We're gonna give a little uh, preview of that. Uh, there's a lot to discuss, frankly. Uh, West Ham are, are an interesting club, interesting team right now, um, with a lot of different options. So picking the possible starters for them was actually quite difficult. Um, so we'll talk about uh, West Ham, and then it's one of those moments where we were trying to figure out a nice positive segment to follow up with and we decided to talk about a former player so we're going to talk about the one of, one of the the things that really attracted me to, to Everton in the first place tall guy with an afro who threw more elbows than I've ever seen in my life Marouane Fellaini we're going to talk about that dude and and him playing for Everton and uh, yeah just a lot to talk about with that guy and uh, then we're going to follow it up finish it up with a quiz if you know your history it's a starting 11 quiz gentlemen but um it's not super recent so there's your hint that does nothing for you but there's your hint <laughs> all right so west ham preview we will be traveling to london for this one so uh yeah we're going to the olympic stadium uh should be should be dreary um Right now, West Ham are ninth in the table, though. They're ahead of us in the table. That's a reality. Let's take a deep breath and deal with that. Um, they got 42 points. They're 12, 6, and 13. Their previous three matches, 4-3 uh, over Huddersfield, 2-0 uh, loss to Cardiff, and 2-0 win over Newcastle. Um, uh, I'm just going to rattle off the possible starters because this is nuts, the people who could possibly be in. Uh, Fabianski, who is actually a far stronger keeper than I think people give him credit for. Uh, Fredericks at right back. Diop. Uh, Balbuena. Cresswell. And then uh, Declan Rice, who's been playing for England lately, which has been a little controversial. Uh, Declan Rice uh, rolling in the center. Snodgrass possibly on the right. Noble and Net Lanzini in the center. Uh, Felipe Anderson on the left. And... Chicharito, the little P, possibly starting up front. You could see Agbana in there. We know Agbana well because I think Martinez wrote him a heartfelt letter when we, you know, trying to get him to calm down. Yeah, bad memories. Thank Zop- you for being gentleman. What was that? Thank you for being gentleman. Yeah, yeah, gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always a bridesmaid. Uh, Zabaleta could show up. Nasri doing little uh, drip doctors. Um, Antonio, uh, Arnautovic, Lucas Perez. They have a lot of people that could be coming into this game. Um, so we'll go into Dangerman in a second. Terry, what do you foresee from this uh, West Ham squad, how they're playing right now? How do you, you know, where, where do you feel like uh, we're going to see some problems? Well, they've got some really, really good attacking players, so we're going to have to be really on it defensively. I mean, the, the home game, was just a lesson for uh, Kenny and Holgate and their football and um, development because they both got 
completely bullied by um, Arnautovic and uh, Felipe Anderson on the day. Uh, those two players are probably still the biggest threats for me. We've got to be careful um, that we don't get, we don't concede silly goals and give away silly free kicks like we have done across the season. Because, at, unfortunately, with the uh, the injuries and international break, I think um, Yerry Mina. I think I think the back four that played against Chelsea was probably would have been our back four for the rest of the season had it not been for Mina's injury. And I do actually would I would have liked to I would have preferred excuse me to have seen Mina on the pitch against someone like Arnautovic not just for the um, not just for the for the size aspect but also for the the one on one type of position one on one type thing I think Mina's got a lot more about him for that type of thing than any of the other centre backs including Keane and Zuma but Keane and Zuma have got to do better than Keane and Holgate did at the start of the season. And uh, Coleman has got to be on his game because Felipe Anderson is one of the better players in the whole league. I think he's been one of the signings of the season. Um, and we've got to try and hurt them with our attacking players. I think this is going to be a big a big game of attack versus attack and we'll see who comes out on top. But, I don't know, they worry me West Ham. They've got some really good forward players. Uh, Max? You think this is a possibility where they may go with speed on the outside? I know I mentioned Snodgrass on one side. It seems like, I mean, wouldn't that be a, a decent play? Well, if you think about it, in that reverse fixture, our, our biggest problem was containing mm-hmm. the likes of Yarmolenko, Arnautovic, Anderson, who just seemed to, you know, turn us inside out in, in, in the wide back position. So I was just looking at the head-to-heads before... Um, before the recording and do you remember when they knocked us out of the FA Cup on penalties when Adrian scored scored the winner we were unbeaten in our last 15 against West Ham before that game I I just I don't know Uh, because West Ham's another one of those clubs almost similar to Watford that have seemed to conjured up a phony rivalry Mm. with Everton almost trying to compete for this you know seventh best spot best of the rest label but I don't know obviously they've got to, to transition to the London Stadium which is a you know it's a grand stage I'm made up I'm not going on the weekend I went last season and it was like trying to trying to climb Everest trying to find your seat but I don't know I, I'm, I'm not full of confidence when it comes to watching Everton play in London because I don't think we've got the best track record and particularly against West Ham I think Romelu Lukaku is our all time top scorer when it comes to playing against West Ham Um so, you know, fingers crossed, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Or, or who knows, obviously with his, you know, brace and during the international break, maybe we'll see Tosin giving a run. But uh, I'd like to think that Chelsea, obviously that, you know, for me at least, that Chelsea result was, was, was Silva's biggest achievement as Everton manager so far. And you could argue that the international breaks kind of, you know, swiped our momentum, particularly with, like, the injuries like you listed. But fingers crossed we can, you know, try, you know carry on with that momentum. Yeah, uh, I feel pretty good about our front four. I feel like we we all have a good idea of where we're going with the front four. Um, curious to see if we're going to see, you know, Gomez and uh, Gay again, or if uh, we're going to see Schneiderlin slip in there. Um, hard to say. I, I feel like he's going to go with Gomez, but you know, never know. Depends if he sees saw, saw more in training. It seems like Silva really puts an emphasis on training, which is why you haven't seen a, as much Lookman this season. Um, he's just inferring that Lookman has been pretty inconsistent. Um, but it's the 
it's the back which which I think all of us we have a pretty good idea of what what they're going to do. It's just a matter of whether or not this. I mean, Zuma was already starting. We feel good about Zuma. We feel okay about Kane. Um, I saw the. I'm trying to remember who put the stat online on Twitter that Keane gives up more more goals on, you know, through open play rather than on set plays, and Yerry Mina gives up more uh, the other way around, basically. Mm. Um, and I now that I think about it, I can actually see that a little bit. So that's something that's a concern for me because. They actually have a few players that are pretty good in the air, and they have a few players who can play a dead ball or two. You know, so this brings back that old concern of of oh hell, every time they have any kind of kick <laughs> anywhere in our half, we just start you know grabbing onto things and bracing and saying okay, here it comes again. Yeah, I've just having a little look at the at the league standings. Yeah, a win could propel us into eighth place. And I mean, I think if we, you know, if if that is to be, mm-hmm. th- that Europa League qualification does become, you know, a real possibility. I mean, and and then that opens the, uh, the you know, the the can of worms. Is it a hindrance rather than a help? Because yeah. when does the season start? Like ju- like early July, or well, like later on in July. And I think I a, any kind of America trip, which would ever be in the cards, would maybe not be in the cards then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we're, let's get to Europe before we start debating the merits of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, that's you, fair. Look at it, it's it's harder than any of the teams we're competing with. And you, you said it before about this um, phony rivalry that they've sort of drummed up um, between West Ham and Everton and Watford and Everton. And going forward, it'll probably soon be Wolves and Everton's. Like that's our fault because we were in a different stratosphere to any of those clubs for a long time and just because we felt we've slid back so much in recent years that now we are very much in the same bracket as Watford and mm-hmm. as West Ham when we used to be in the same bracket as Arsenal and Liverpool back then and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's just a it's just a matter for us to, you know, push ourselves back above those teams. But right now we certainly can't say we are because if you look at our squad, you look at West Ham's squad and Watford's squad. You can't say that we're we're that we're much better. We we should be, but we're not. You know, if you look at our performances, I think that's been one of the uh, the most disheartening things about this season for me is when we've come up against those teams. We you know we fell short and we fell well short. You know, beaten by Watford, Leicester. Who else have we been picked by? Who have we been in and around? Um, drop points against Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, teams like that. It's it's because I know Terry made the point in an earlier podcast that we really need to be looking in the short term now to establish ourselves as the you know we are that best of the rest, and we need to start find, finding a way into maybe gate crashing the top six. I think that's still a few few years a few years away yet. However, these are the games where you can put the distance in between those teams. Thing is, though, it's it's never never too early to start. We've we've beat a top six team last game, which we hadn't done for a long time. So beat West Ham, and then you've you've sorted that for this season as well. It's it's not, it's about not letting those little runs, um, you know, become you know become ingrained because we've lost the last two games against West Ham. But as you said before, it's recently we had a fifteen game unbeaten streak against them. It's like need to start building those up again, and like you know, sort of. 
I mean, West Ham have got some good players, but they're wildly inconsistent. You don't know which West Ham you're going to get. You could get a you could get the West Ham who ship three goals against you, like where. Uh, but you could get one who put four past you, like they did with field. It's just they're not dissimilar to us um, in terms of on the pitch because they've got a bit of a patchwork team with some really good players, but you know, like with um, you know some some problems stitching a team together and. You know, fans who sometimes get on their own players' backs and stuff—they're not—they're not that dissimilar to us in a lot of regards. But I don't know. I think if it was at Goodison, I'd be a lot more confident going after the back of that Chelsea game. I just think yeah. it's the away—it's the away game thing again. Just make, makes me lack confidence. But they need to build up. The club needs to build up supporter confidence in these games again. Start winning them regularly. Well. I mean, it's uh, the good news is we're going to like a non-atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of like that stadium being loud, it's not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like when you actually listen to that, especially, uh, yeah, it's just the acoustics of that place don't really make it conducive to being like a really like intimidating place. I think the most intimidating, I don't know. It's true, but, but for me. You know, being there in the flesh and going off our last performance. Mm. Yeah, you can put that down to Sam Allardyce. Yeah, you can put that down to West Ham wanting to get one over them mm. on Sam Allardyce, which was probably the propelling force. However, that was still Everton at the Olympic Stadium, and what mm. we've seen so far hasn't been good enough. It's hard to. It's yeah. I'm. I'll be curious to see which team we see this week of ours. You know, fingers crossed. The one that you know that second half against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, we've got a few omissions due to injury, which is entirely the reason why I detest an international break. But still, yeah, you know, I, I, you know the players that are deputising surely have enough quality. Yeah, and, and we've getting to, we're getting to the point now, though, where we, we start every, before every game. We're kind of like, oh, hope we hope we see the team that we that we want to see. You know what I mean? It's just because you, you could see. You know, the one against, uh, what was it, Wolves, were just uninspiring. Or you'll see, uh, you know, the one against Chelsea, you know. Mm. so Or the first half against Chelsea or the second half against Chelsea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. which one? It's it's frustrating. And I'm, I'm, it is, you guys are right. We're, West Ham probably dealing with the same thing. So this whole thing would be a crapshoot. <laughs> All right. What's the prediction? Max, what's the score? 2-1, Evan. 2-1, Everton. Terry. Snap, 2-1, Everton. I'm going to go with 2-1, Everton. 2-1, Everton. Hmm? I'm going to say 1-0, Everton. I'm somehow picking a clean sheet. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to happen, but I am. All right. I, I do feel like... Pickford has picked some things up since. Oh, it was the Newcastle game that was so, that was so awful. That's the one I was thinking of. Mm. Yeah, but he's been pretty focused since then. So give yeah. him some credit for maturity on that. Um, okay, so uh, I'm a little concerned about our the fact that we're all picking a win. Uh, but oh well, you know, sometimes sometimes we're right. All right, so I guess that's that's it for our uh, West Ham preview.
we're gonna we're gonna spend this segment talking about uh, one of the more I guess it was iconic images for me when I first started watching. It's one of those players when you watched when you watched a game at that time, he stood out immediately and you couldn't help it because he's like 90 feet tall and his hair was like this and and he led with his elbows. You know, he looked like he had the sharpest elbows that I've ever seen in my life and they were like 4 feet from his body cuz his wingspan was enormous. He's just and when and when we sold him, I was kind of like, is, is, again, it was right after I had started being an Everton supporter. I was kind of like, oh hell, no, no, this is this is one player I specifically watch. You can't do this, Marijuana Fellaini. All right, Marijuana Fellaini, um, and that's a little bit of my experience. Um, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, that season. He joined Everton from a standard Liège, uh, like my like my uh, my Belgian club pronunciation. <laughs> I worked for hours. Uh, the the online they they said the move was worth twenty four point eight million dollars. I guess that goes to closer to like seventeen million pounds or so. Is that about right? Yeah. I did I like remember. a calculation thing. So it was our club record fee at yeah. the time, and when it was. Oh. At that time, it was the record for a Belgian player too. Mm. Yeah, it was about, it was about fourteen, roughly, at the time. I think. Okay, so so the correct. damn calculation website is wrong, Terry. That's what you're saying. <laughs> correct. Uh, correct the, me the, if pounds, the pound was worth more back then. You see, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. we signed them off the back of some terrific performances against Liverpool, against your Liverpool in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, they they played. Um, I remember watching it. They played Standard Liège in a, Euro, a Champions League qualifying two-legged round, and he was a he was a machine. He was a monster in both those games, Fellaini, and he was playing in a um, sort of like what what we would now describe as an Angolo Kante type Idrissa Gay position. He wasn't playing like further up. He wasn't right. sitting. He was sort of just an all-action midfielder. It was before it was before he had his afro, obviously, and stuff like that. But he absolutely. Yeah. Gave Liverpool's midfield a horrid time. They could, they really struggled. I mean, they, they, Liverpool did get through because they were obviously a much better team than Standard Liège. But he stuck out a mile. I remember even before we were linked with him, I was I said that that Fellaini first Liège is pretty good. And then, bit of a nice surprise. I woke, woke up the day after transfer deadline day and we'd signed him. Yeah, I, rem- I remember Moyes went above and beyond to get his um, get that over the line too. I remember some antics that went on that required like. You know, issues with telephones and running around hotels and things like like that. But how old was he when he signed for us too? Because I'm sure he went on to win young player of the season for us in his in his first season. Have you got that stat? I know down? he's 31 years old now, and it is 2019 now. So if you take that back in 2008, he was about 2021. 20, 20, yeah, yeah. It was it was weird because I. You know, transfer deadline day. We everyone was watching it as they do, and it, there was no like mention of him. It wasn't even like all oh, Everton's pushing to get this deal done uh, and so on and so forth. So, I think everyone, I think the majority of people just went to bed, and then the next day they woke up and in the middle of the night, oh yeah, Everton broke their transfer records at the last second, but nobody knew about it. And Belgian midfielder from Santa Liège, Marouane Fellaini, everyone was like shocked. It was, it was. 
a bit like um, Zuma, this transfer window, where like the next day we just decided, oh yeah, I mean, Zuma was even later, because that was about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, the day after the transfer window, and it was announced, oh yeah, we've signed another player. But that mm-hmm. one was crazy, because there was no inkling of him at all, um, Fellini, throughout the transfer window. It may have been that they, um, you know, the price might have changed, or they wouldn't sell him if they got the Champions League or something, but maybe, maybe it was something like that, because it was, it was quite... It wasn't long after the um, the Champions League qualifier that they had against Liverpool that the, the the move came about. But yeah, I it wasn't it, it, going off that game. He didn't play eventually in the position that I think we thought we were buying him for. I think yeah, we had, didn't have a striker. Well, we didn't. We had Tim Cahill as a number ten. Yeah, we so, played Fellaini almost as a second striker, just mm-hmm. with Cahill off. No. Not straight away. I think. I think well, for well, the second, second season, wasn't it when he started yeah, playing? He, he sort of became an auxiliary striker with Kale at one point. But when he was brought in, I think he was brought in to be like a, a deep midfielder, a, like a holding player or like a combative midfielder with Arteta and Kale, because Kale was the number ten and Arteta was like the playmaker and the number eight. I think personally, Fellini was brought in to be like a holding player. And once he arrived, I think the club realised and the management realised, oh, he can't play there. That's not his position. So they sort of moved him up the pitch and like sort of made the best of it. And I think the same happened with John Heitinger. I'm certain he was brought in to be a right-back. And then when he got here, they realised that he... Because we had two centre-backs, two starting centre-backs in Jagielka and Distan. Heitinger comes in, plays his first two or three games at right-backs. Everyone realises, oh, he can't play right-back and then he's a centre-back. I think Fellaini had the same thing couple mm. of games in the position he was bought for and then they sort of like realised that oh he may have only had one or two games where he looked okay there and he's not actually that type of player Yeah. and for the rest of his career Fellaini's been that number 10 that sort of he's the only target man number 10 in the world where you hit the ball up to the player who's not the furthest player forward yeah he, he, he just he's the definition of giving you something completely different isn't he like just just going off that face when he was playing I read a stat saying he was booked 10 times in his first 17 games so that's his bloody sharpened elbows for you know <laughs> but um, his standout season was Moises last season wasn't it I remember mm-hmm. you know first game of that season I, I forget I remember it like it was yesterday Man United first game 8 o'clock kickoff on Sky we get a corner at Gladstone Street. I was one of the few games I went to at home with my dad. My dad's got, my dad says to me, This is going in off Fellaini's head this. Darren Gibson, funnily enough, whips it in. Fellaini got man the match. Completely <laughs> overshadowed completely overshadowed Robin Van Persie's debut yeah. at Manchester United. And uh, yeah, that was, it was, just, it was, just like was that. it? Sky had already wrote the script that oh Van Persie's moved to Man United, so this is going to be, you know, the, the, the beginning of something beautiful between them and they're just going to blow Everton away. We just spoil... We used to do that a lot back then, spoil the party, and I'd, I'd love to get back to that. But, um, yeah, I think he was here five years, and I think, I, like you touched on it then, Max, his last season was definitely his best, but I think that's because every single season he improved. He didn't improve, like, massively, and he went from, you know, like a kid to a megastar, but every season he was more and more important than the previous one. And... Case in point, I know it was a bit, you know, under a cloud from Man United's point of view, but he got a move to Man United. He was playing that well at the time and he was that effective. Now, okay, Man United <laughs> had fees and he was struggling to get players, but he was there years and years later. Several managers had used him. I think the whole Fellaini issue at Man United with their supporters is just a bit of snobbery. 
because he's been nothing but effective and good since he's been there, but he just never gets any credit and he's not a United player and all that nonsense. They go, no, he's an effective player. He's good. If you play him, if you were to play him in his proper position, he'd be good for you, but they didn't even do that and still got, you know, a lot out of him. They played him here, there and everywhere. We were the only ones who really played him where he was meant to be played and that was as number 10, but because... To be honest, he was a sort of unorthodox number 10. He wasn't a creative number 10. And as I said before, the only ever I've seen in world football ever a target man number 10. Mm. Not a target not a target man striker or a wide target man like when we used to have Calvert-Lewin on the right and whatnot. No, a, a target man in midfield who just don't hit it at his head, hit it at his chest because it'll stick there and then he'll just bring everyone else into the game. Yeah, his chest control, in, particularly in, in, that, in Moises last season, was... Absolutely fantastic, and I think technically, as you as you alluded to there, like technically he develops season after season after season. I remember the um, the season after we made Wembley at the FA Cup run when we got beat by Chelsea in the final, and we had the uh, the Lecoq's Sporty kit that was like the the eighty four eighty five replica. Um, when he's doing like um, like what was what did he when he yeah Cruyff fans and three sixty around Craig Bellamy like. Little things like that, you just show how he's, how he's like picking up and developing. He really was, you know, when he was on form, he was a great player to watch. Yeah, I remember when we sold him. The I, I'm trying to remember who the interview was with, but they were saying they were talking about what you alluded to first, Terry, when you were talking about his original position and the position that he was supposedly most comfortable playing, and that was that position was why Moyes brought him in was to play more in that position, the one that he supposedly... I think he said he actually would prefer playing in that position, right? Uh, and then he went over there, and you're right, very little appreciation for a guy who, when you throw him in at the end of the game, makes things happen. How many times at the end of a game did, have, did, uh, did United throw him in and he just... Yeah mixes up in the box and mixes things up, you know? It's just, he's one of the more physical presences I, that I've i seen, really. He's, it, it always chooses to trip me out when Americans, and I would tell them I, I, I support Everton and everything, and if any of them have watched anything, the only Everton player they mention, oh, Fellaini, huh? And I'm like, oh, so you've seen a game and you know he's got big hair. Okay, you know what I mean. It's <laughs> I'm just like, what about all those, you know? I, and if somebody really knew, if I if I knew they really knew the team, they they mentioned Leighton Baines, and I'm like, okay, we can talk. You yeah, because <laughs> he, he came. I remember when Martinez came in at, at that time. It was him and Leighton Baines who were pretty much our MVPs. You know, like mm. they were, you know, with the most market value. And I'm sure Moyes came in with a 25 million pound bid for the pair of them. Oh, was, it was. They, they were derisory, is what they said. Yeah. <laughs> he ended up paying more than that just for Fellaini in the end, didn't he? Kind of desperation. Yeah, yeah that's actually what I was going to say. We he went to uh, uh, Man, to United for uh, okay thirty six point nine four million dollars, and so if my pound conversion was off, it's about twenty five million pounds uh, according to that pound conversion chart I used. That could be wrong. Terry and Max, yeah. this is your clue to correct Yeah, I, think, <laughs> yeah I, I remember reading 27. Oh, yeah, wow. 27, yeah. 27 rising to 30 based on... That website's all jacked up. <laughs> That's not cool. It's messed up. It's gone low and high. What the hell? 
it's the power, <laughs> mate. It, it probably changed while you were doing the song. Oh, that, would, that was one of those where I was angry. Number one, I was already angry that Moyes had left, and then he comes in and he makes bids for those players, and you're like, and he, can, he says, well, I feel like I know Everton, and I feel like I know what's the way they do business, so this is, this is how it works. And it was really insulting when, they, when he made those bids. Um, but I think as Mar- Martinez was way more cool with losing Fellaini because of the types of players he needed to run the system he wanted to run. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But what was interesting, I remember in, Ma- in, that, in pre-season in Martinez's um, first year in charge, uh, Fellaini got the captain's armband mm-hmm. at some point. I'm sure we had the cup game where he ended up with the captain's armband too. So That sounds know, really familiar. Yeah, so it was almost as if Martinez was like, you know, had them placed importance of him and knew the value and because it's it, although you know he just completely defies convention doesn't he? He just gives your team something completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know whether to say it was if it's better for better or for worse that we've got rid of him now because you know what transpired under Martinez at first it was for yeah. better but you know he would just, never have. I don't think he'd have ever have worked in the way Martinez wants to play. I mean, it wasn't all bad when Martinez was here. You've got like he's. Back then, you had to sell to, to buy anyone at Everton. There was no machinery. There was no anything. And I think, you know, he, the two, as you said before, the two most um, high-value assets that we had were Baines and Fellaini. Now, Baines at the time was just... He was the sort of... The franchise player of the club, wasn't he? Like, he epitomised Everton. He was, you know, a local guy. He was, like, the um, one of the, the top five. Europe. He was, you know, everything about him. Baines and Everton were just made for each other. Whereas everyone loved Fellaini. But he sold him, and then he immediately, you know, the second the Fellaini went on that deadline day, two more midfielders came in. So yep. he totally rebuilt. Uh, sorry, did I just steal your uh, your next point, Jerry? No, no, no. I, I was just, I, I was like, that's totally right. Yeah, because I remember that. This is, you guys are talking stuff that I know, and I'm like excited. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. As soon as Fellaini went, Barry and McCarthy, who were the engine of of the whole Martinez team mm-hmm. came in off the back of that. Now, add to that as well that, you know, um, Martinez had decided he was going to, you know, bring Barkley into the fold properly and make him his number 10. And he brought in Gerard Delafeu. He totally rebuilt the whole midfield on the, off the back of Fellaini going because the whole mm-hmm. midfield was built around Marwan Fellaini, much like the way we would eventually become built around Lukaku. Pre-Lukaku yeah. were built around Fellaini and all of his strengths and, if you're going to get rid of him, we had to bring in a fair few players in that you know department to change up, change things up, and it did work straight away. Like you know, Gareth Barry came in was our sort of pivot, our quarterback type player. We had um, McCarthy come in and be you know the engine and the legs and all that. So he, you know, it was it made sense at the time. It made sense for the player. Made sense for uh, you because know, he wanted to go on to be play at Man United and play in the Champions League and it made sense for the club because he'd given us five years mm-hmm. he wouldn't grow up as an Everton fan you, know, you can't really expect any he'd come in uh, uh, you can't expect any more from a foreign player he'd come in he'd give us five years he'd got better every year he'd you know he'd given us big games and big goals and then after five years he goes on to a much bigger club he doesn't knife the club in the back or anything like that progresses into a bigger club into a bigger competition and makes us a lot of money in the process so that's why he's probably always had, you know, a good relationship with supporters here. Whenever he's come back, he's never been booed or anything like that because you know, he went. Up, he, he did things the right way. 
Yeah, I, credit to him. He really helped Lukaku settle too at that time when Lukaku yeah. come into the club. Yeah. Um, he, scored, he scored against us at Wembley, which was a bit of a pain in the arse. Yeah. And with that, he ran away in celebration. But yeah. um, he also <laughs> gave, I, I remember when um, when United came to Goodison in Koeman's first season, he gave away the penalty in the last minute, which levelled the game. So, you know, swings mm-hmm. around. Yeah. For for Everton, 141 appearances, 25 goals from uh, 2000, 2008, 2009 season to uh, 2013 when he went to United. And then in the 2018, 2019 season, he goes to uh, SD Luning, I guess that's in China, uh, from United. And for United, he only made 119 appearances and, 12, and had 12 goals in that span. Yeah. He made more appearances for Everton than he did for, mm-hmm. for Man United, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. He's got he's got one in one for his, the Chinese team that he's got now yeah, too. Already. Fingers he's crossed. Well, he's well too good to be in China, I think. I think he suffered massively being at United from a PR problem. Mm-hmm. He's sort of perceived now as something that he's not. He's perceived as like a, a sort of skillless player who only works in in like, you know, for his his brutality, his physicality. Yep. I'm not saying you know, he's he's one matter on the ball, but Come on, he's too good to be in China. He could easily go to somewhere. He could go to a, a team in, in, in other leagues. He could go to a team here. You come back. He could. At top half Premier League team and do a job, but that, that's because of the perception he's had at United. No, he, he was linked with Arsenal, wasn't he? And the Arsenal fans like ne- like rioted because they didn't want him. It's like, uh, come on, guys. Like maybe not Arsenal, but. He could do a job at a lot of you know decent clubs still in Europe. I just don't. He might possibly gone to China for the money. You know, Mazeltov too. Fair enough if that is what it is. But it's a brave fella for doing that. I think uh, was it uh, Axel Witzel that went to China yeah. and then he came back and went, and he's one of the only ones I've heard of that left and came back and is doing better than he was doing when it's before he left. You know, he's the exception. I haven't heard a lot of players go to China and they come back and they're like, awesome experience. Was, was he at, was, just quickly on Whittle, was he at the Chinese club when he was talking to us before, and no. he reneged on the deal? Oh, he was, was he, he's he in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's when, yeah. Whittle and Mata. Yeah, I know. I know. Kula Bali in that summer as well. If we yep. could have had the spin of Kula Bali and Whittle, it would have been that, mate. Things may have been a little bit different. I don't know. No, let's not think about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we uh, fell back on Ashley Williams, so whatever. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I guess that's. I mean, I think a big part of what we're talking about, though, is he is thirty-one years old. That is a thing. He's he's got size. Uh, I, I, but the, but he didn't leave for much money either. The 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 fee for him going to China was not much. A lot of people say people go to China because their com- their clubs are making too much money not to send them. Dude, it's it's not. It was not a big fee. It was not yeah, big. Like that money though. Ah, don't they? Don't they? <laughs> They're doing all right. Uh, I think they just wanted his uh, contract off the books. Really. Mm. So. Anyway, we'll see. Come to America, Marwan. I'll watch you play. Huh. <laughs> I'll watch you put your elbow through a few dudes' 
Jaws. Because <laughs> it'll happen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess anything else on Fellaini, guys? Honorary mention. So when yeah, busted Ryan Shaw across too. It's not often someone fights fire with fire when they go away to Stoke. So yeah. well done, one. Okay, I'm. I'm. I think I'm gonna need to see some video on that. Have you not seen it? No. I'm Maybe. so excited about the prospect of it, though. <laughs> that, that made back page in national newspapers. That made that oh hell a you occasions know, the last couple of years. He, got, he goes getting like basically all kinds of shortcuts. One, he lost his temper. Did he throw his head back at him? He did that, didn't he? Something mm. like that. Mm. He did something. He was like a, he had a little bit in him, didn't he? A little bit of a mischief. Mm. Yeah. Take. I mean, he. He usually what he does is he's dirty with other players and gets them to be dirty back, and then the ref usually sees the retaliation and the other player goes. Yeah. He's he's a little bit of a troublemaker, Fellaini. To be yeah. like you know, I, I just normally don't think of like you know the really tall guys as the little troublemakers, but he totally is. Ah, <laughs> uh, he just I I just hate playing against him. He's the guy you want on your team. You know, being snidey. You don't want that snide coming on you. So. All right. Well, that's it for Fellaini segment. Uh, this was great talking to these guys about it because, uh, like I said, I'm as everybody who listens and watches knows, I don't have as much experience with the squad, but these guys, uh, I like listening to, hearing them talk about about how he grew and everything. That was that was really cool. Um, so uh, anyway, that's it for our Fellaini segment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for, if you know your history, it's the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. Uh, so it's another starting 11 segment, and uh, John, Quizmaster John, apologizes for making yet another starting 11 segment. He said next time there will be questions and whatnot. So Quizmaster John, I accidentally just wrote a check. Maybe your ass didn't want to cash. Apologies for that if I've promised more than I should have. So basically, if you've never uh, been in on this whole quiz thing with these guys, they're going to alternate going back and forth, naming the starting starting 11 from an historic match. All right? Uh, And and if uh, at that point we go, we can also include uh, subs that played. And if at that point they're still tied, we'll go into uh, unused subs. All right? Because... Yeah, I don't, we're not going to go into goal scores because I don't think it's really relevant on this one. So, cue intense quiz music. There it is, yes. Gentlemen, 17th of December, 2009. Everton nil. I'm going to mess this one up. Bate Borisov from Belarus. One. I know a lot of people say Bait Borisov, but I looked up the Russian pronunciation and I realized Russian and Belarusian is not the same language, but they share a lot in common, so I'm saying Bate Borisov. Alright? So, guys, we need to flip. Alright, this is my what I'm flipping. I don't have a memory card on me, so I'm flipping a GoPro stand of some sort. This is heads and this is tails. I don't know whose turn it is to call it. Who's going to call it? Tails. Terry says tails. Stealing me thunder. It is heads. Ooh. 
be glad your thunder has been stolen, sir. All right. <laughs> what do you What do you want, Max? You want to go second, like usual? Second, please, sir. Second. All right. Who are the starters and subs that played? Terry, you may begin. This will be hard. This one because it yeah. was a it was a dead rubber, I think. So it'll have a load of like reserve players. So I'm gonna go nice and safe, I think, for the first one. And the substitute keeper at that time was Carlo Nash. So I'm gonna go for Carlo Nash. That is correct, dude. Very. I, I like your giving details about your thought process on this as well. That's that's good. Uh, Maxwell House, what do you got? Tony Hibbert. Tony Hibbert. Yes, he started. You are correct, sir. What do you got, Terry? 2000. Jose Baxter? Yes, he started. Leon Osmond. Leon Osmond, yes, he started as well. Guys, you're off to a famous start. Very nice. <clears throat> Terry, what do you got? Yeah, Rockwell. Yes, he did start. Very well done. I like how you said that with total confidence. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Max. So we got Tony Ibbs at right back. I'll say that's when we've got Forrest Gumper for right midfield. Seamus Coleman. <laughs> Every time you do that, I'm going to start bringing out my Forrest Gump lines. You know? Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, the only ones I'm coming to are coming to me are like the cliche ones, like the box of chocolates one, so I can't do that. Terry. Yukubu. Yes. Jack uh, did start, but apparently no one fed him. Shane Duffy. We've had that, I think, haven't we? No, 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 no you haven't said him. <laughs> oh, man, so I said it. No, but he is in. Yes, guys, you're doing great. Only a few more starters, though. Oh, I am struggling. Um, Luke Garbutt at left back no I know he was left back for that game because my IT teacher used to coach him Luke Garbutt was an unused sub oh no Max Jake Bidwell Jake Bidwell yeah. Yes. Apparently it was great to take him free kicks, apparently. Jake Bidwell was, uh, yeah, that is correct. And uh, that is that is the game because Max has gone second. So Terry is doing his we're not worthy bow down from Wayne's World, which is good. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so just uh, the, the other two starters – uh, Adam Forshaw and Kieran Agard. Um, uh, subs that played. Uh, I'm not a big fan of saying his first name because it sounds like I'm saying scrotum, but Mustafi. 
Uh, he came in the 76th minute for Hibbert. Uh, Hope Akpan came in the 8th minute for Rodwell, so I'm assuming that was an injury. Um, and Nathan Craig came in the 81st minute for Osman. Unused subs, the other ones were uh, Howard, uh, Connor McElhaney, and uh, Toto Nsiala. Incialis. No, Inciala. All right. Um, so a little bit of updates on those players, by the way. Uh, Bidwell is now playing left back for QPR. Uh, Adam Forshaw looks pretty solid for Leeds. Uh, Kieran Agard is in League 2 with MK Dons, and I think they're in third in the league right now. And he's second in the league with scoring with 18. So he's having a pretty solid season. Um Nsiala's at Ipswich, just went there in 18. Um, McElhaney's on loan at, I always ruin these Scottish team names, Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock. Yeah, Kilmarnock. I like that. I, that's so much cooler than the way I said it. Shit. <laughs> I, I want you guys just to teach me all the Scottish team names so I can say them with confidence because that sounds badass. Um, he's on loan from Fleetwood. Uh, Akpan is the captain of Bradford City in League One, and Craig is uh, at his hometown club in Wales. I think it's Carnarvon Town. I'm ruining that, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a where are they now. John gave me that extra information, and I was excited about it. <laughs> and uh, you missed out where Tim Howard was and, and uh, Luke Garbutt. Uh, Luke Unfortunately, he's still a player. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those players, I assumed that uh, a lot of those were familiar. Uh, but, yeah, Tim Howard, I still get to see him play on occasion for the Colorado Rapids. I love how a lot of the players, like majority have made like decent careers in the championship, a couple in the lower leagues. Shakhtar Mustafi, Arsenal. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's we had a couple of those that kind of slipped out. You know, what was it? Dyer was on loan, was on trial. That's what it was on trial for a little while. Yeah, he had like he was Benfica player, mm-hmm. and he um, had two years on loan at our academy. It was a really weird sort of situation. So he was technically never our player, but he right. was at the two years. And Mustafi was our player and didn't really play very much. Mm-hmm. And then did he go That's... straight to Valencia before he went to Arsenal and sort of just established himself as a I don't as know. a first teamer there? He, yeah, I mean he's not really popular at Arsenal, is he? Let's be honest. But Moise's era didn't really let a lot of players, you know, not many slipped away. Right. But those those are the two who stick out the most because they've gone on to have decent careers, whereas everyone else, I mean. You know, power to them, but none of them, other than Mustafi and Dia, how many players left um, and went on to be better than they were at Everton? Not many. Not yeah. many. That's fair. Even the, big, the yeah. high profile ones, I can only think of two who did better than they did at Everton when they left, which was. Um, Arteta. Um, or three then. Arteta, <sighs> um, Lescott, and Rooney. But over an 11 year spell, it's not bad. Yeah. Everyone else struggled. The moral of the story, don't leave Everton. So, unless you're Janik Balassi, then please leave Everton. And Kevin Morales and Luke Garbutt and various other players this summer. 
So the moral of the story is not immoral. Terry just crushes it with real-world examples that make it not immoral at all. The moral of the story is the world is nothing. It means nothing. Become a nihilist. Good work. It's exhausting. We, we believe in nothing, Lebowski. <laughs> Well, the first killed a girl. <laughs> Carl Hungus. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, Max, what are you what are you playing us out to, man? That is that is Max's reward for uh, remembering uh, Jake Bidwell. Yeah. New York State of Mind by Nas. And I remember Nas. I do. do you remember this right there? Bang. Yes. Ah, the fucking coolest thing in the world. I don't know how that top ended. That's up so there. weird. I know. Yeah. For those who aren't, um, who can't see us, which is everyone except me and Jerry, um, it's he's showing a picture of Naz with an Everton shirt, not wearing it, but he's sort of posing, holding the Everton shirt. Yeah, like pointing Just, to the to the badge. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite Justin Bieber having a game of five aside in the third kit, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is will forever be the strangest thing ever. That is that's so the, they, weird. That's so weird. Up out of nowhere, Bieber just having a game of football in Everton's third kit. It was so strange. It was full kit wanker too. Eh? Yes, it, it was. was. Like Jordan sucks too. <laughs> hey, that was one nice. That year was probably at for me our pound for pound best set of kits ever the were home good kit was amazing that third kit was amazing I will literally just bombard the club for the till, until they redo that home kit for that year with the with the dark socks mm-hmm. oh, it's, yeah it's, a bit of... it's, it was a, it's a shame we were so shit because we were both were, in Europe we were both yeah, in Europe yeah and that kit I, that for me was the nicest kit we've ever had I love it we look good when we were but, playing against who young boys <laughs> wasn't yeah. that the Swiss team that we played against that we just hammered them yeah, yeah. we did it we, we beat everyone in Europe that year we beat yeah. Wolfsburg oh I say everyone we beat a, we were the best yeah. we looked the best team in the Europa League that year mm-hmm. but for um, yeah. poor luck against uh, Kiev I think if we had I'd have saw out the first leg yes. we'd have won the competition we were that good in Europe that year because frankly we had Lukaku <laughs> Lukaku was <laughs> Probably the best striker in the Europa League that year. Did ah. he? Had he cut his hair before that? Is that when he cut his hair? Yeah, that yeah. was the when he come with like the, the skinhead. Yeah, I'm. I still miss his hair. I do. You the know, dread. I feel like he yeah. changed when he cut the hair. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. The ego grew. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right there. It's. <laughs> too much. Uh. All right, so why are, you, why are you picking New York State of Mind besides the fact that Nas was pictured with an Everton shirt in his hand? Because that album, Illmatic, like it came out before me time, came out in 1994. But for me personally, it's one of the best rap albums of all time. I'm trying to remember the song that I heard on the radio all the time back then. Because Nas is, I remember Nas, because that's when I'm, okay, tipping my hand here. I'm super old. I was in high school at that point, and so that was on, Nas was on the radio and on MTV a lot. Yeah, what's, what's proper weird is Nas is doing Parklife, which is a festival in Manchester. I'm not a, like, I'm not 100% sure of him going to it, but saying Nas to me, mum, the other day, I was like, oh, the only reason I really want to go Parklife is to see Nas. Saying hmm. Nas, like, what's, what, what's mad about the fact you just said that? I, she said to me, I remember when you were, like, 
six or seven. I used to have like Nas albums. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I don't know, just always been into it. Well, your, your mum had Nas albums? No, for my, I, I had Nas albums. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to. I was about to be like, "Hey, that's awesome!" Because it's not super surprising for me, somebody you know, to have for anybody, you know, to have Nas over here anyway. But Terry's Terry's like grumbling in the corner. Uh, he's like, "That, that, there's no hard guitar in that." That's it. <laughs> he's like, uh, "He's got short hair. I want no part of this." <laughs> uh, all right so as we uh as we play out to new york state of mind this is the end of the big show as far as the podcast is concerned thanks so much for listening to the toffee blues podcast why don't you subscribe why don't you hey we'd appreciate it that would just there's nothing holding you back unless there is somebody holding you back and if so I, i'm sorry for not seeing them behind you uh if you uh, if you if you have this weird desire to see our faces you know, good luck to you. You can see it on our the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Um, some of the content is there uh, that you may you may recognize because you've just heard it. So there's that. Uh, but you can see our faces if you want. There it is. Subscri- subscribe to that. And, uh, yeah, join one of the many people who subscribe to us. Uh, if you want more Terry, Liverpool Echo fan, jury... He'll, uh, he'll be there every once in a while. Check out his Twitter. He'll tell you when he's going to be there. Same thing uh, with Max. Check his Twitter. All right? He appears lots of different places, uh, but uh, he's often on the, the uh, Toffee Blues website. Uh, the brand spanking new, fully functional, gorgeous Toffee Blues website. Uh, you know, Webmaster John is all over it. So, uh, but Max is on, on there every once in a while, so check him out there. Um... Uh, also, uh, Toffee Blues. Follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I got no more plugging, guys. I am, I am, uh, uh, I'm done with the plugging. Unplugged. Time to unplug. Guys, thanks so much, Terry. Good to see you, man. You too, man. Take it easy. Appreciate it, Max. As always. Good, good stuff, buddy. You. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. Much love to you. Uh, let's uh, let's have a good let's have a good weekend. With a with good performance, please. Marco, make this happen, please. All right. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So listen to Nas now. Bye. To a new plateau, through rap slow. My rhyming is a vitamin, hell without a capsule. The smooth criminal on beat breaks. Never put me in your box if your shit eats tape. The city never sleeps, full of villains and creeps. That's where I learned to do my hustle, had to scuffle with freaks. I'm an addict for sneakers, 20s of Buddha and bitches with beepers. In the streets, I could reach her about plants I teach her and held deep like the words of my breath. I never sleep, cause sleep is the cousin of death. I lay puzzle as I backtrack the earlier times. Nothing's equivalent to the New York state of mind. 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 State of